Welcome, everybody, to Surveillance Report 50. It's the 50th one. I can't believe we're here. Uh, it's really exciting, actually. This was just started like that, and now we're on the 50th one, which is super cool, and welcome to tuning into it. Surveillance Report is where we are dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news. This report today is going to recap some of the most notable events in the last week, including most notably Apple's plans to scan your photos, question mark, really fun research, updates to Pegasus, politics, FOSS news, and misfits. I am Henry from TechLore. Nathan will not be joining us today as he is out making the world a better place. Today's report is brought to you by our wonderful supporters. In all the shapes and sizes you all come in, just being in our communities and listening to our surveillance reports is incredible and gives us hope that other people care about this stuff too, which is just awesome. But we also have the people who make this free content possible, like our patrons who get exclusive benefits, the people who privately donate Monero to us, and more all on our support page. We really appreciate all the help and just love that it means we can give you the weekly news. So thank you all. And um, if you have a way to support us, definitely do because we really would appreciate that. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into data breaches. We're gonna open up with a update to an earlier story from June. So the company EA was allegedly hacked by attackers who stole almost 800 gigabytes of data, including a lot of game files and source code. EA claimed that this was just untrue, but the attackers have now released much of that data after negotiations break down, and it appears they did indeed breach EA. So someone was caught red-handed, I guess. Our next data breach has to do with the Sand Hill Center, which is in North Carolina. Um, they manage public health, intellectual and development disabilities, and substance use disorder services. They are a publicly funded organization. Regardless, at an unknown date, attackers allegedly stole 634 gigabytes of data and are offering that for sale for the highest bidder, Arn Marketo. Some of the information appears to date back all the way to 1993, but some is more recent. Um, it does seem to include sensitive information like names and date of births, as well as medical evaluations, which is not a good thing. And our final data breach for the week, um, password state customers complain of silence and secrecy after a cyber attack. Um, it's been over three months since Click Studios, which is an Australian software house, um, behind this password manager password state warned its customers to reset all passwords. Um, the company was hit by a supply chain attack that sought to steal the passwords from customer servers around the world. The biggest issue is that they sent an email saying there was a possibility of an attack, but they never followed up. And anytime people ask about it, they always give BS excuses. And they've really just been terrible at communicating what's been going on. Uh, many customers had to turn to social media because Click Studios shut down its blog and forums as a precaution, prompting customers to look for other sources of information. So this was a big communication error on their end. I guess tips for people who have companies, you should probably communicate when you have breaches uh, like this. And now we're going to move into company news, starting with the biggest news in a while, which is Apple's CSAM scanning. So CSAM stands for Child Sexual Abuse Material, and Apple's hoping to protect the children um, through some things that may or may not be helpful for privacy. To start with the less talked about side of the story, um, Apple's planning to integrate this in a future software update, but the Messages app will add new tools that warn children and their parents when they're receiving or sending anything that's marked as sexually explicit. Apple claims this is done locally on the device, but it still does some things, which we'll talk about soon, that might undermine encryption. When this happens, the photo will be blurred and the child is warned, presented with helpful resources, and reassured it is okay if they do not want to view the photo. Um, the child, if they're sending anything, can, it will also be given a warning. Um, but again, everything is supposedly done 
on device. But again, we'll talk about some of the issues regarding this. I'm just telling you what the story is so far from pretty much Apple's angle. The thing you've probably heard about is iOS and iPadOS will allow Apple to detect known CSAM images stored in iCloud photos. This is going to enable Apple to report these instances to the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children. Um, and this is a reporting center for this kind of material um, to work with law enforcement agencies across the US. Apple claims this is done in a way to keep the user privacy in mind. So instead of scanning these images in the cloud, the system performs on-device matching using a database of known CSAM images. Um, and so, and it's all done using hashes. So supposedly this is done with privacy-friendly material. Again, I'm just telling you what the story is so far. We'll talk more about how this is actually done and some of the concerns behind it very soon. Okay. <laughs> And um, some more updates. So this new feature is rolling out in the U.S. sometime soon. And as for other countries, they have confirmed that any expansion outside the U.S. will occur on a country-by-country basis, depending on local laws and regulations. So this is kind of being done on a by-country basis based on the information we've been given so far. Apple did also clarify that on-device CSAM checks are only run on photos that are to be uploaded to iCloud Photos. So that's a very important distinction. If you don't use iCloud Photos, which by the way, we recommend people don't use iCloud. Um, probably the most, if not all the major Apple concerns out there have to do with iCloud. Like when you hear about the government getting access to someone's um, iMessages, it's not because iMessage isn't end-to-end -end encrypted, it's because the backups that are done to iCloud aren't and they have direct access to that. So if there's one big takeaway from all of this is that you probably shouldn't be using iCloud because Apple doesn't allow you to do end-to-end -end encrypted backups through iCloud. You have to do that locally inside iTunes on your device. And this is something we very much stress a lot because people don't get that. Um, but that's pretty much Apple's biggest weakness, definitely hands down in 2021. And that's also, just by chance also would help this situation. If you're not using iCloud Photos, you don't even have to worry about this. This won't just run locally on an offline device that's not signed into an iCloud account. Um, it's not that invasive, but it's still something that you should know about. Um, but if you do have an iPhone, I very much encourage you, if you're worried about this, turn off iCloud Photos, and I would just recommend not to use iCloud in general. Apple also did confirm that it cannot check photos that are inside iCloud backups, but I'd be very careful with that statement because, again, um, there are government requests that are done on iCloud backups that are stored in the cloud, and they very, do, very much do get that information. So I'd be careful with that statement. So I'd say very serious issue. Um, we'll talk more about like why it's a serious issue soon, but also um, it's very, very much avoidable for a majority of you listening to this. Um, again, just disable iCloud photos and you don't have to even worry about this, uh, but I would recommend just disabling iCloud altogether. Now to break down the issues, um, EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, they made a whole blog post talking about the issues with this, and I'm just gonna read you some of the things they said. Once a certain number of photos are detected, the photos in question will be sent to human reviewers within Apple, which I'm gonna pause it right there, is already a concern. Um, let's say there is something that's misflagged as being an explicit image when it's not, and it's just an image of you, you're now gonna have human reviewers in Apple, which opens up the door for abuse um, from individuals. And that's actually something that we're just gonna talk about with Google very shortly after we're done talking about Apple. We're gonna continue now. Um, these people determine that the photos are in fact part of the CSAM database. If confirmed by the human reviewer, those photos will be sent to the NCMEC, which is the organization that deals with this, um, and the user's account will be disabled. Again, the bottom line here is that whatever privacy and security aspects are in the technical details, all photos uploaded to iCloud will be scanned. Make no mistake, this is a decrease in privacy for all iCloud Photos users, not an improvement. 
So there's the EFF stance on this, which I very much agree with. Um, again, we like to make you come to your own conclusions on issues, but yes, this is very much not a good thing for privacy. The EFF also has issues with the messaging scanning that's being done uh, when children message or receive explicit images um, inside of iMessage. So overall, this is not being <laughs> praised as a good thing in the privacy community for obvious reasons. There is a letter that's going around, um, which I have signed. I tried to sign it um, as a Techler organization and they didn't do it properly, but we did sign it technically. Um, and you can sign it as well. So if you want to, I guess, spread your voice, um, you can go ahead and sign it on GitHub. I'll leave, it's always in the sources. So you can go check out the sources if you want to sign the Apple letter to go against this. And the final thing I'll say is that this doesn't mean, um, I know that it's everyone in the privacy community is very much black and white. Like Apple does bad thing, Apple bad, you're bad if you use Apple. Um, and again, everything has pros and cons, which we consistently talk about. At the end of the day, I'm still personally on the fence that Apple is still a fantastic middle ground for a lot of people. It gives you the best app compatibility. If I'm talking to someone I know IRL who's not very technical and they're asking me, oh, I, I just want basic privacy and security and I don't wanna have to think about it, I'd still tell them, get an iPhone. But I'll tell them, here's the things you need to be concerned about with iPhones because you're still having to put an immense amount of trust in Apple, which again is a big downside to iPhones. If you don't wanna trust any ecosystem or any central company, which is a very hard thing to do by the way, and you should really pat yourself on the back if you're doing that, um, then there's better options for you like Calyx OS and Graphene, which we also talk about. We just also address those aren't probably the best solutions for most people who are outside in the world. And if you don't think that, I would ask you if you go outside much in the world. <laughs> All right, that's, that's enough on Apple this week. Let's go ahead and move on to Google, which we'll go through much quicker. Um, Google is now abandoning Qualcomm and it's going to build its own smartphone processors this year. Um, anyone saying this is outright good or bad right out the gate is probably not fully correct. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, this has legitimate pros and legitimate concerns. Um, the pros are you're probably gonna get much better performance. It might give you a cheaper phone or at least a better bang for the buck. Google's now gonna have much more control. It's much more of an Apple situation, which overall I think is good in terms of usability, but also that gives Google more control to do other things which may not be so good. The reality is we don't know because we haven't seen the damn processors and the phones or anything related to them. The big question I have which I'm sure many of you have as well, is how this is gonna impact development of our favorite ROMs like Calyx OS and Graphene. Um, we don't know, time's gonna tell. So um, this is just kind of an update for you to know about. The second Google story, leaked documents say Google has fired dozens of employees for data misuse. So um, pretty much between 2018 and 2020, um, several employees have been fired because they're abusing access to the company's tools or data. Google said, quote, the instances referred to mostly relate to inappropriate access to or misuse of proprietary and sensitive company information or IP. Um, this is just another good reminder it was thrown in this week. Um, just so you know, a lot of these companies have real people looking over real data that is your data. So just remember, even if you trust Google, do you trust every employee within the Google empire to be looking through your information? And our final company news of the week has to do with Zoom. Um, if you don't remember, Zoom was coming under a lot of class action lawsuits because of their privacy misconceptions and um, they had invaded the privacy of millions of users by sharing personal data with Facebook, Google, and LinkedIn. They also misstated that they had end-to-end -end encryption when they didn't. They firmly denied any wrongdoing, um, but has agreed to boost their security practices. And overall, like in, the, in their defense, Zoom has done a lot of positive things since all of their sketchiness, and they're still sketchy, but um, they have done some positive things. It's still a problematic service. This is a preliminary settlement that is waiting to be approved, so we're still waiting for the final details on that. And now we're gonna move in to the research. 
Black Hat this year gave us a couple fun stories. So just get ready because these are kind of fun. The first one has to do with these Japanese capsule hotels that are very much automated. They're very tiny little hotels、um, that people used to stay in overnight in Japan. So he says he found half a dozen hackable vulnerabilities in the Internet of Things systems used in these capsule hotels that he stayed in.、Um, they allowed him to hijack the controls of any room at the hotel to mess with its lights, ventilation, and even the beds in each room that convert to a couch. If you're watching the video on YouTube or Odyssey or wherever you're watching the video from, Um, you're gonna see kind of a video I'm playing here of how he's just doing this remotely and how he can tamper with all these rooms, which is pretty fun.、Um, he says he went as far to use his powers to take revenge on another guest in the hotel who had been keeping him up late、uh, because he was talking loudly. So he ran a script that turned on the victim's lights every two hours and repeatedly converted his bed into a couch in the middle of the night. He said, quote, I take my sleep seriously, especially on the holidays. So I thought that was a fun research story, and it's very black hat of him to do that. The next story is also from Black Hat. Researchers have created 300 fake identities, and then they signed up those identities to 185 legit sites. Then, so they can analyze what happens to the information when they've only sent it to those sites. So they tracked how many of the sites used this personal information to pester those accounts further. And here's some of the results. On average, signing up for a website creates responses resulting in an hour of wasted time due to distractions, and some websites created up to 20 hours of distraction. They said they were surprised by some of the results. For example, they found most of the companies hoarded the PII rather than selling it to other organizations. Only 10 of the 300 accounts showed indications of shared data, though there was some degree of cookie scraping, particularly with Twitter and TikTok. Researchers also found that the sites best at detecting fake accounts were actually Facebook, which detected six out of eight fake accounts right off the bat and detected the other two within a week.、Um, and WeChat was also good, which required a legitimate Chinese phone number. The main thing that wasn't a surprise the sort of phone calls the fake identities received, from vehicle warranties to social security scams to free hotel rooms. So, this is just kind of reaffirms what we know that when you hand over your information to companies, they are using your information for things that they're not supposed to be using it for. And it's kind of unfortunate. Because there's not much you can do about it. Once you give your phone number to a company that gives it to other people, it's completely out of your hands, and there's not much you can do. And that's why we talk so much about digital minimalism, and we have things and resources telling you how to delete your online identity.、Um, it's a very long process, but once you do it, it is so freeing.、Um, Go Incognito really dives into this more.、Um, this research was pretty fun. <laughs> Here's a quick story. I'm not going to go too much into it, but there was a trusted platform module security.、Um, Research thing that was defeated in 30 minutes, no soldering required. Pretty much, it's just talking about how even these super decked out, high security machines were pretty much broken right away through very basic things and even inexperienced hackers.、Um, if you want to learn more about this research article, it is definitely down in the sources. It's pretty interesting to see how they were able to bypass some of the things that even we recommend pretty often to our communities. And our final research article has to do with cars.、Um, so, this is called the quote, unoriginal rice patty. It's the personal title for the replay based attack on Honda and Acura vehicles.、Um, the reason why it's called that is Honda in Japanese translates to original rice patty.、Um, it is a cute fact, but this attack is not cute and not original. Hence the name, unoriginal rice patty. So, this attack affects every Honda and Acura vehicle with remote wireless radio entry, meaning a fob or pretty much most of you. 
um, who aren't just using a regular key. Honda does not ever institute a rolling code system and only manufacturers systems with static codes, meaning there really is no layer of security here. Once um, someone gains access to the car, they can open the trunk, they can roll down the windows, they can power on the car, they can do most things to the car outside driving it, which is pretty frustrating. Honda actually ignored the CVE required to carry out this attack, which just demos um, how little these car companies seem to give a crap about security, as well as just the hideous insecurity of cars in 2021. Um, so this is just another cool attack. Um, everything's on GitHub. I do believe you can do it yourself if you have a Honda and you have the um, equipment needed to do it. All right, people, we're now going to go into the politics section, and we're going to start with Pegasus. First one, French intelligence investigators have confirmed that the Pegasus spyware has been found on the phones of three journalists, including a senior member of staff at the country's international television station, France 24. This is the first time an independent and official authority has confirmed the findings of an international investigation by the Pegasus project. So for those who haven't been following the Pegasus project, the Pegasus uh, spyware is a spyware that's been secretly rolled out. It was supposed to be advertised for criminals and terrorists, which is what the NSO very much says it's still for, yet they realize that this is being used on journalists and other people who are being um, attacked by invasive surveillance by authoritarian governments. Um, so this is kind of a big deal. It's still unfolding. This is kind of a multi-week story. I'd recommend going back and watching the last few surveillance reports because we talk a lot more about Pegasus, but essentially like we are now starting to find more and more about it. Um, and on that note, we have a second Pegasus story. iMazing um, has released a new tool that can detect Pegasus on your own device at home. It's very unlikely that you who's listening to this has been impacted unless you're um, victim to some authoritarian government. But if you're curious, you can just give it a shot. Everything's in the sources. You can go ahead and check out that tool and how it works. Up next, um, we have a very messy story here. It has to do with Chinese facial recognition um, that was used on US protesters. Protesters in Minnesota last year set a fire and they've been part of a giant manhunt since then. To keep this short, they were trying to catch them um, using this invasive $30 million facial recognition system that was made by a Chinese company which was blacklisted by the US government previously. So they were using somewhat banned stuff to do this. Funny enough, these people were not caught from this. They were caught using traditional methods, which in this case included someone who just turned them in for the $20,000 award, which is hilarious. The two things I think this shows, this shows the kind of market there is for surveillance technology and how even the US and everyone else is tempted to implement it when they feel it's necessary. But also, like I was saying, it's stories like this that make you question the effectiveness of these surveillance tools, how they're gonna be used, and how good they even are when they are being used. Because in this case, it was just a normal turn-in that that got these people caught, and the $30 million facial recognition system didn't do anything. This is a much messier story that I very much condensed, so I would recommend looking into it more in the sources if you want to. The next one goes out to all of our EU listeners. Cash payments over 10,000 euros for transactions such as car purchases, home improvements, or funeral bills will be banned under EU rules. This is expected to come into force within the next three years. The EU legislation is being considered in an attempt to clamp down on cross-border money laundering on a wider European basis. This is just a continuing story that's showing... um, I guess large cash payments kind of going away, which may lead to smaller cash payments going away. Um, And many people are calling this the death of cash very slowly but surely. Um, We don't know yet if that's going to happen. Some people seem firm that cash is never going away. Um, But it's just something to think about. It's very easy to buy things privately with cash, and that going away would make things a bit more problematic for us. 
Next story, really quick. Hackers have attacked and shut down the IT systems of the company that manages COVID-19 vaccination appointments for the Lazio region surrounding Rome. Um, quote, a powerful hacker attack on the region's CED database is underway. Um, the region said that in their Facebook posting. Um, I didn't really find many updates to see if they've fixed this or what's going on with that, but just a story to throw your way. And our final politics story. Um, Spyware-like features have been discovered inside a Chinese app named Beijing OnePass that foreign companies operating in China are forced to install in their systems in order to access a digital platform to manage their employee benefits. Um, the spyware behavior was discovered last month by a group um, by the Threat Research Division of Recorded Future, which analyzed a copy received from a customer who was forced to install the app on its systems. According to the analysis, the app contained features that could be considered suspicious for a benefits software application, and which are ordinarily found in malware strains. This included things like disabling of security and backup services, reading data from the clipboard, recording screenshots, capturing and receiving keystrokes, attempting to read, create, or modify system registry root certificates, checking periodically for human interaction with the operating system as the file is run, and allowing domains for active X use, which would allow it to connect to external internet resources, and also the ability to auto-run at Windows Startup to ensure persistence. All things that are just incredibly invasive and are very much unnecessary for what needs to be done with this app. There's a lot of ways that I I guess I can tie this back to you who's watching this, but I, I think probably the most relevant one, I would tie this to like employee spyware more so and just know that like there are a lot of people who are forced to install things on devices, personal devices that are designed to track them for work. And I think everyone agrees that um, you shouldn't be tracked in your personal life for something work related. Um, so if you did ever have to install something like this for your work or your school, ideally you have an isolated device or an isolated environment like a virtual machine where all that stuff can live because you really don't know what kind of information your school or work or whatever else you're doing is going to track about you. All right, we're moving right along into the FOSS category, free and open source. We only have three stories. We're going to go really quickly through this. WireGuard on ProtonVPN is here, now available on Windows, Android, and iOS. As the title states, it's now in beta. Just update your Proton clients on Android, Windows, and iOS to the latest version. Go to the settings and switch the smart protocol toggle off, then select WireGuard beta. It is beta, so proceed with caution, but this is very welcome news, and we'll be sure to update the TechLore VPN tools with all this information soon. Okay, we have VPN tools, if you don't know that. They're really cool. Uh, speaking of WireGuard, they finally have WireGuard NT, which was announced as a high-performance port to the Windows kernel, meaning Windows users will eventually be seeing better WireGuard performance and implementation on their machines, which is great. Go WireGuard. We like that. And the final FOSS story, um, Steam, the, the, the gaming social network, store, whatever you call Steam. Um, according to a Steam survey numbers that just came out for July 2021, Steam on Linux hit a 1% market share, which is a 0.14% increase over the month prior, which is great. Um, if you read the article, it seems like the Windows... Um, market share numbers are like constantly fluctuating a ton. It was at 2% at one time, then it was way below 1% at another time. So this isn't a consistent upward trend or anything, but it was just a big bump that we saw. So who knows, maybe it will turn into a trend. So yay. All right, now we're gonna go into our misfits, the final category of SR50. First one, quotes, I'm gonna quote the headline here. This spoof Apple site illustrates the sophistication of today's phishing attacks. 
So most phishing attacks are pretty straightforward. Um, that's when you're, you think you're visiting a site, but it's actually a fake website. Um, that's one form of a phishing attack. There's many kinds of phishing attacks, but that's the main one that people think about. Um, but a recent attack shows how sophisticated these can really be, where just checking the URL isn't necessarily the only thing you can, you can do. If you look at the source down below, you'll see that it actually straight up looks like apple.com, and it even has an SSL cert. It looks completely legit. Uh, this was an exploit that was taken advantage of by a phisher, um, and this can be utilized, like they can email you the link and then they would use this exploit to really trick you out. This trick really strengthens the usual advice. Um, always visit websites from your own bookmarks or by typing the URL. I personally like to bookmark and link every entry in my password manager to the website. So the only time I ever log in is when I double click that URL, which I know for sure is safe. Um, that's something I recommend you implement as well. Um, don't open links from unexpected emails, even if it appears from someone you know. And also just check the SSL cert and do the basic stuff they recommend. But the best thing you can do is to bookmark links or just keep them in your password manager. I tested this out. They have a website in the sources that you can use to test it out. Um, it's already been patched in the later versions of Chromium, so it didn't work for me. Which is another reminder here to stay up to date. Keep your browsers up to date, keep your operating systems up to date, keep everything up to date to patch these things before they even affect you, ideally. And our final story for the week. Um, really simple, archive.org has something called the Wayback Machine, which allows you to archive websites. So you can keep different old versions of websites and you can always go back in time and see what sites looked like. It's a really great project. Um, however, someone came out and was able to pretty much allow malicious content to be delivered through archive.org. So not only could they upload malicious content, but they could actually um, get people to download it and interact with it and infect other people through archive.org. Um, there's very sophisticated ways they were able to do this using PowerShell. Um, I'll go ahead and leave the source as always down in the description if you wanna read more into that. Uh, but it is very interesting and it just is a good warning for you. Um, one good thing about this is that if you um, are aware that this is happening and you report the website, um, it was properly taken care of by the archive.org moderation team. They took it down right away. Um, so this is something that can be reported, which will hopefully prevent this issue. But I will assume archive.org is going to implement some kind of automated system to deal with the issue that was specifically utilized in this event. Whew. Man, I feel like we just went right through that. So SR50, yeah, good one. Um, so the promo spot this week, again, is just for our supporters, right? Like if you're in our communities, you engage with them, or you're just listening today, I think that's awesome. And we really appreciate all of that. I mean, like it's, it's a hard world to live in if you're a privacy advocate and just seeing people engage with what we do is, it just means so much to us. Um, but we also do this for free for y'all. Um, we really do appreciate donations. Um, if you like our merch, I'm wearing a cool shirt if you're watching the video. We have fun merchandise that you can wear for people around you. Um, you can check out all the links to our stuff down below. There's lots of ways to support us and we really do appreciate it. And that's it for the surveillance report. Tune in next week for some updates to the stories this week and for whatever else is gonna happen because things are always going on. You guys who tune in every week know that for a fact. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to review us and share us around if you're on a platform that allows that or just follow our RSS link and we're thrilled with that too. Thanks for listening and see everyone next week.